You're listening to ReachMD. This medical industry feature titled, Why It's Time to Reassess LDLC Goals in Your Patients with Recent MI, is sponsored by Amgen. This program is intended for physicians. Here's your host, Dr. Pam Taub. For patients who've recently experienced a myocardial infarction, cholesterol management is critical to help reduce the risk of recurrent cardiovascular events, such as MI or stroke. However, it may not always rise to the highest priority during hospital discharge and subsequent follow-up. In this episode, we will explore why patients with a recent myocardial infarction occurring within the previous 12 months are among the highest risk patients for recurrent cardiovascular events and what can be done to better manage that risk. At a time of the COVID-19 pandemic, when patient behavior and clinical practice methods are impacted, what can we do to better help protect patients? And how can we continue to improve the way we manage cholesterol levels in this high-risk population and help reduce the risk of subsequent cardiovascular events? This is Reach MD, and I'm Dr. Pam Taub, a cardiologist an Associate Professor of Medicine and Director of the Step Family Foundation Cardiovascular Rehabilitation and Wellness Center at UC San Diego Health in California. Here with me today is my colleague, Dr. Sripal Bangalore, who is an interventional cardiologist, Professor of Medicine, and Director of the Cardiac Catheterization Laboratory at the Bellevue Hospital at NYU Langone Health in New York. Dr. Bangalore, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank you. It's great to be on, especially discussing this very important topic. I want to start our discussion today with the patient I recently saw. He's a 56-year-old male with type 2 diabetes, peripheral arterial disease, who was recently admitted for acute coronary syndrome and had a stent placed to the mid-LAD. He's seen in clinic after discharge and has an LDL cholesterol of 85, with a regimen that consists of a high-intensity statin and azetamibe. So Dr. Bangalore, for a high-risk patient like this, can you give us a better sense of why this focus on cholesterol management in patients with recent MI is so important, particularly from the perspective of an interventional cardiologist? No, absolutely. I think the case you described is, unfortunately, we are seeing it more and more often these days, patients with multiple risk factors, multiple thrombotic events coming in with ACS. And I think the key thing to emphasize for such patients is, uh, in many a times in the cath lab, we do show them the films and say, we show them where their blockages are. So it's an opportunity for patient education. But what we know from data is that the risk of cardiovascular events following an MI is high, especially during the first year. And we know from a number of registry, for example, the REACH registry shows that approximately 30% of patients will have a recurrent event over four years. And that cardiovascular event rates are highest in patients with prior event occurring within one year. So the perfect example is the patient you just described. As you know, LDL cholesterol is one of the most uh, modifiable risk factors independently associated with atherosclerosis and which has a significant impact on the risk of future cardiovascular events. I think this is a great case example. 
you know, for a patient like this in the cath lab, you know, we do some patient education, et cetera. And then, you know, they are left to their treating cardiologists to go ahead and manage the subsequent care. Uh, so for a patient like this, there are a number of guidelines. What do current guidelines recommend? How should we be managing their lipid levels? The 2018 ACC AHA cholesterol guidelines define very high-risk patients as those with multiple major atherosclerotic cardiovascular events, including recent acute coronary syndrome, history of myocardial infarction, or one major ASCVD event and multiple high-risk conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, age greater than 65, smoking, heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, and congestive heart failure. For these patients, the guidelines define an LDL-C threshold of 70 for intensifying lipid-lowering therapy by adding non-statin medications on top of maximally tolerated high-intensity statins. The ESC, or the European 2019 Cholesterol Guidelines, define goals for very high-risk patients at less than 55, and they recommend a greater than 50% reduction from baseline. For patients with multiple vascular events within two years, a lower LDLC goal of less than 40 may be considered. Both guidelines recommend lower is better. For instance, with our patient who has an LDL of 85, we haven't met either of the guidelines, and we need to be aiming for a lower target LDL. In my practice, I follow the ESC guidelines. What do you follow, Dr. Bangalore? Yeah, so those are the great points. I completely agree. Lower seems to be better, and that is exactly what I believe in. But we also know, unfortunately, this is data from multiple observational studies that uh, only 40 to 50% of patients with the recent MI or ACS achieve even the recommended goal of less than 70 milligrams per uh, deciliter. So I do agree that there is a huge opportunities to further improve care of this uh, very high risk patient subgroups. On the subject of risk stratification, Dr. Bangalore, how many ASCVD patients do you think meet the definition of very high risk and how does their risk compare to other groups? Yeah, great point. So, you know, I, I must say, just stepping back as interventional cardiologists, and, and also this is true for many of the clinical uh, cardiologists, that we tend to lump patients with, for example, a recent MI into one bucket. We know that they are high risk. And you nicely pointed out that we can carve out a very high risk subgroup as patients with multiple atherosclerotic cardiovascular events, one major event on, and uh, risk factor. So I think that categorization is critically important. And I think based Based on recent data, approximately, I would say 50% of patients with a history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease met the definition of very high risk. And most had major atherosclerotic cardiovascular events and multiple high-risk condition. In fact, one in four patients had multiple major atherosclerotic cardiovascular events. So it is fairly common. To your second point, in terms of the risk, in the same study, there was about a three-fold higher rate of recurrent cardiovascular events like 
myocardial infarction stroke in patients meeting the definition of very high risk. With the highest rate, as you may expect, in patients with multiple major atherosclerotic events. And I think this is the critically important piece of uh, data to suggest that just classifying all MIs as high risk may not be helpful. There is a higher risk subset within that high risk category. But again, I want to point out that uh, less than 40% of patients who met the 2018 AHA-ACC guideline definition of very high risk were in fact taking a high intensity statin. So there is a, a lot more things that we can do in kind of optimizing patient care. So for those uh, just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Sripal Bangalore. Um, today, I'm uh, speaking with Dr. Pam Taub about some key consideration for improving cholesterol management in patients who have recently experienced a myocardial infarction. So Dr. Taub, once a patient has an MI, what strategies do you prioritize to help prevent future cardiovascular events? Great question. There are multiple opportunities across the continuum of care of post-myocardial infarction patients to optimize LDL cholesterol and to help reduce the risk of future cardiovascular events. These involve coordination between the interventional cardiologist and the general cardiologist, as well as the advanced care practitioners who are an integral part of our team. And working together, we can all make an impact on how these patients are managed after they've had a myocardial infarction. Some of these strategies include obtaining lipids, including lipid-lowering treatment at the time of hospital discharge. As you pointed out earlier, educating patients at the time of the event is important. I like how you show the patients their angiograms because it's really important for patients to visualize their disease. I also passionately believe in cardiac rehabilitation. And you may want to consider a lipid clinic referral at discharge if that's available. And then obtaining a lipid panel one to three months after discharge to continue evaluating therapy. We need to remember that LDL is not a static number. It's a dynamic number that needs to be continuously evaluated. And then we want to think about intensifying therapy when LDLC is above threshold to achieve the LDLC goal as appropriate. We need to remember that per the AHA ACC guidelines, that 70 is not a target, it's a threshold. Now let's consider how the care of these patients needs to change and adapt with what's going on currently with the COVID-19 pandemic that we're facing. What are some factors we need to keep in mind? Yeah, so a great question. So I think New York being the epicenter at least a few months ago for this COVID-19 pandemic, and I think it kind of reinforced some of the prior practices, or at least some of the things that we were emphasizing. For example, if a patient is admitted to the hospital with an MI, I mean, this is an opportunity to maximize their uh, medical care. So in other words, you know, gone are the times when we used to say, let's start one agent at a time, uh, you know, follow them up for four to six weeks, et cetera, and escalate therapy. Um, and we know from data from a number of uh, studies in the past that maximizing at the time of discharge would mean that the patients are more likely to be on these medications. So I can tell you that during this COVID-19 pandemic, it made us feel that this is absolutely, we need to do this because there is decrease in patient visits uh, for, for follow-up. Many a times we're doing televisits. Um, and so maximizing at the time of discharge is critically important. 
And there is also a need for continued and more proactive follow-up monitoring of lipid panel, ensuring that appropriate intensification of lipid lowering therapy does occur. So we have to make sure that therapeutic inertia uh, does not set in. And I think uh, one thing that COVID-19 is bringing to the forefront is the use of telemedicine. And I think uh, this new reality will likely define medicine going forward. And I, I think this is uh, critically important as we care for these patients. So my take home from what we've seen with COVID um, pandemic is try to maximize at the time of discharge, have very close follow-up on these patients. You're likely going to have televisits. So you, you just have to figure out ways to say, okay, I'm going to check their lipid panel again, follow up, and how, how can I get it done if the patients are reluctant to come into the hospital? Dr. Tab, what have you seen in terms of COVID-19 patients and any of your own experience with this? Great points that you've made about the impact of COVID on our patients with cardiovascular disease. COVID really has impacted our patients who have underlying cardiometabolic disease. So we need to focus on the treatment of these underlying risk factors, such as their hypertension, their type 2 diabetes, and really improve the resilience of our patients. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a lot we are learning about this uh, disease process. We covered a lot of ground today, but before we close, are there any additional comments or takeaway messages that you would like to share with our audience? If there is one mantra that I can instill with our audience, it's go as low as you can go in terms of LDL cholesterol for our secondary prevention patients and our high-risk patients. So that was great. I completely agree, Dr. Taub. And as we come to the end of today's program, I want to thank you for helping us better understand how we can maintain and even improve continuity of cardiovascular care for this high-risk patient population. Dr. Taub, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you. Thank you for a great discussion. This program was sponsored by Amgen. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit ReachMD.com. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.